0: Um, Was Conmigo able to join us on the call today?
1: (laughs) Conmigo right now does not have text-to-speech, so we'll not be on the podcast.
0: (laughs) Probably too busy. There's a lot of people to support out there. And they're a bit of a rock star, so they're probably at the White House or something. Most
1: likely, yeah, exactly. Some world leaders, yes. Leaders
0: guiding (laughs) policy across the G20 or something like that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I'm John Nash, here with Jason Johnston.
0: Hey, John. Hey, everyone. And this is Online Learning in the Second Half, the Online Learning Podcast.
2: Yeah, we're doing this podcast to let you in on a conversation we've been having for the last two and a half years about online education. Look, online learning has had its chance to be great, and some of it is, but a lot of it still isn't. And so how are we going to get to the next stage?
0: That's a great question. How about we do a podcast and talk about it?
2: Perfect. What do you want to talk about today?
0: Well, I'm very excited about our guest today. We're going to be talking with Dr. Kristen Deserbo, the Chief Learning Officer at Khan Academy. Welcome, Dr. Deserbo. How are you?
1: Good, good. And please call me Kristen. It's great to be here today.
0: It is great to have you here. And we just wanted to start off by just getting to know you just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your current role at Khan Academy.
1: Yeah. So a chief learning officer can mean lots of different things and lots of different organizations. So at Khan Academy, I lead our content team, our product management team, our design team, and our community support team. So wow. most of what you see on the Khan Academy site is built and created by a lot of the folks that are on my team. And I do not lead the engineers. They're a whole <laughs> okay,
0: that's good. different
1: group, not them. But I come from an educational psychology background. So my PhD is in educational psychology. And so I don't have the traditional kind of product background that some educational technology folks who lead those kinds of teams do. And instead, I bring a lot of you know experience and insight about how people learn. And we try to build that into then the articles, the exercises, the videos, and all of the experiences students have on the site.
0: And so you mentioned about your education. You have got a PhD in educational psychology. Is that what you said?
1: Yes. I actually thought when I went to grad school that I was going to be a school psychologist. And so did a, a research practitioner program where I was doing all of the work and training to be a school psychologist and doing all of the work on how you diagnose learning difficulties and all of that. And did a whole bunch of research and kind of fell in love with that side of things too, but then did end up being a school psychologist in a school in Arizona where I live. One of the schools I worked at had 1,200 kindergarten through third graders, if you can imagine in a school.
2: No, I can't imagine.
1: And, and 80% of them had a home language that was not English, which makes then figuring out why are kids struggling to learn quite a challenge, but also really drove home for me some of the potential for education technology Mm -hmm. and could see, you know, there's, we have all of these kids who need extra support and extra help and all different levels in a classroom. And how does a teacher help start to differentiate all of those? So that was a bit of my first thinking about how do we, how could we use technology to help support these kids?
0: So you got a lineup of kids waiting to see you at the school. And then did you just think one day, man, I, I'd like to learn more about doing this through a computer or through online? Or how did you get into Khan Academy?
1: Yeah. So it's a little bit of a, a winding road. So first I was, after a couple of years, of thinking I was going to make a career change, thought I might go be a professor <laughs> um, <laughs> and did an academic job applications in that process. I got back in touch with someone who had been one of my statistics professors at Arizona State, and he had gone to work for Cisco, the networking company, which sounds crazy, but Cisco has something they call the Networking Academy Program, where they create curriculum and assessments that they give away to high schools and community colleges for free to help students learn computer computer networking skills. And so I got in touch with him to write me letters of recommendation for these academic jobs, and he said... Of course, I'll, I'll write you those letters, but you should think about coming to work here and we're doing this online learning thing and we have a whole lot of engineers that are starting to you know, help us write this curriculum, but we need some people who know about learning and assessment to think about this. And i was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And the kind of the kicker is, and you can create these things that touch hundreds of thousands of learners every year and really have that kind of impact on the world. And so I was convinced and so went to Cisco and spent a good amount of time doing some really interesting things around simulations and simulation-based assessment, because it turns out that the high school students would practice on this expensive networking equipment and they'd break it and they didn't know how to fix it. So we said, well... Let's create some simulation tools so they can configure this and try those crazy what-if questions in a low-risk environment and work through those. And then we said, wait, we are, by doing this, we're capturing all of the information about how they're configuring these devices. Why are we giving them a multiple choice test about networking when we can actually see them doing the skills that we're trying to create? And so got into performance-based assessments and Uh thinking about how we can use that digital data to understand what students know and can do. And from there, I was presenting on some of these ideas and some folks from Pearson approached both me and my mentor, who was the one who brought me and said, hey, we're starting something called a research and innovation network at Pearson. And would you like to take some of these ideas you've been playing with and try them out in domains other than computer networking? and you know think about how this might fit across k-12 and that was pretty enticing and uh, obviously Pearson also has big reach and big opportunities so went there and spent a good amount of time there in a research role and then gradually over time as big companies do reorganizations and change ended up leading a team of learning designers and researchers who were working closely with product teams to build in a based on what we know from the learning sciences into some of the the products places things that offerings that were being released at Pearson and then about only three and a half years ago or so I was thinking about what my next step might be and I was talking to some friends and said I think I want something smaller I think I want to go in the nonprofit space (laughs) and I think you know I'm I was a VP at Pearson I think I'm gonna go like something like a a chief academic officer, a chief learning officer. And three weeks later, this job that I have now was posted and I said, this is what I was just <laughs> describing mm. and it all worked out. And so that's, that's how I got to Khan Academy.
2: Did it feel, going back to your experience, developing performance-based assessments and that was in an online environment?
1: Yes. Did that feel yes.
2: different and kind of exciting? Cause that seems like that would have been a little cutting edge at the time.
1: It was so. Yeah, we're talking like two thousand six, two thousand seven mm-hmm. at this time to date myself, and it was, and it still feels like I still look back on some of that stuff we mm-hmm. were doing and was like, this is still kind of cutting mm-hmm. edge, <laughs> and in terms of what's going on in the world. So it did not feel that way at the time, and I mm-hmm. still, um, you know, I'm still hoping there's a place for some of that, and and then it. Uh, At Pearson, I also was doing part of this group called Glass Lab that was a a collaboration with uh, EA, the makers of SimCity Mm. and a big gaming group. And EA gave us the code to SimCity and said, make a game-based assessment in SimCity, which was super fun. (laughs) Um, And we learned a lot and made, so we made SimCity EDU, which if you Google it, is no longer in existence and that has some issues and never really got to large distribution, but was a lot of fun to make and a lot of fun to think about the issues around that.
2: Yeah, Mm. that's cool. So you sought something that was maybe nonprofit, okay, check, Um, maybe smaller, maybe not check. (laughs) Well,
1: so Pearson has like 30,000 employees and Khan Academy has 250.
2: Okay, fair, very fair. (laughs) But certainly a footprint of goodwill in the place. What's it like working at Khan Academy?
1: Yeah, it, I have never been someplace where everyone is there for the mission a wow. free world-class education for anyone, anywhere. Like that it, it, people, lots of people who work there could be doing other things to, you know, make a lot more money to <laughs> be in their space. But everyone is there thinking about how can we help kids learn more and what does that look like? That's exciting and motivating to come in every day, keep yeah. things going. And now that we've, I don't want to foreshadow the rest of our conversation, but now that we've kind of jumped in with both feet into this AI space, yeah. it also is kind of exciting because it feels like we're a bit on the cutting edge of, in the technology yeah. space, which is one place to be too.
2: It is. And no, we foreshadow away. I'm dying to dive <laughs> into that part. Yeah and, yeah.
0: yeah, and I was thinking about that this morning uh, in anticipation of our conversation, just how impactful Khan Academy was. From the standpoint of the flipped classroom. And obviously, Sal Khan is a huge personality and just incredible story. But even as I was a a high school teacher and technologist for a while and using Khan Academy and all those kind of things, and the reorientation of what a classroom could be for my students was in part because of Khan Academy. So it actually, it really surprises me that there's two hundred and fifty people there because there are many okay. ways and no disrespect to Pearson because they're huge in its own way. But Khan Academy's had a lot more impact on my life and my teaching life and my kids' lives and my students' lives than Pearson has yeah. so far.
1: I We're think free. the phrase is we punch above our weight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that. As you know, as a nonprofit, we get a lot of funding from philanthropists and one of that the things that our head of philanthropy says a lot is that for the budget of a large high school, we reach tens of millions of students every month.
2: That's a fantastic tagline. So let's talk a little bit about Conmigo. Can you briefly explain what Conmigo is?
1: Yes. So Conmigo is an artificial intelligence tutor for students and assistant for teachers. So for those who haven't been part of the big AI conversation for the last year. Last November, an organization called OpenAI released ChatGPT. And that is what in the artificial intelligence world is a generative AI model or a large language model. So it goes and trains on a whole enormous set. Basically, if you can imagine all the information on the internet, like that's a good proxy for kind of what these are trained on. And what they do is, as most folks now have played around with ChatGPT, is you can have a dialogue with it, and it, it's producing text. You input text, and it produces text back uh, to the user. Uh, so that was last no- November. If we go back from there, last September, so just about a year ago from when we're recording this, Sal and I gotten to see what at the time was the model they were training that they called GPT-4. What they released in chat GPT at the time was GPT-3.5. Yeah. And so they were training their next version of it. Bill Gates had said to them, don't come back to me and show this until I can pass the AP bio exam. So they needed a bunch of AP bio questions to keep testing it on. And we at Khan Academy have a whole bunch of AP bio questions. So that was the impetus for them reaching out. But as we started talking and Sa- they gave Sal and I access to a Slack bot so we could talk to this new model over Slack. And we were blown away by what it could do and said, okay, let's talk more broadly. Yes, we'll give you those AP bio questions, but let's talk about how we might be able to use this as a tutor and think about what it could be.
2: Hey, can I be nerdy for one second? Because that I kind of got goosebumps with that. So in last September you're having Slack conversations with GPT 4.0 and fellow nerd Jason Johnston and I are wigging out about 3.5 and you're already, you're just going like, you guys wait. Is that kind of how it was for you?
1: Yes. We had this super strict NDA so we couldn't talk about it at all. So then chat GPT comes out and everyone's, oh my God, everyone wants us to comment on what we think it's implications for education. We can't say like, Just wait till March.
2: (laughs) You know, you're like, it's okay.
1: (laughs) Seems interesting. So yeah, it was definitely a challenge to keep our mouths shut and not talk too much about what we knew was coming.
2: That's something.
0: So Um, how quickly did you move into kind of more formalized talks? Because... I'm guessing, I, I don't actually know this for a fact, so I hadn't looked this up, but I know that Conmigo is different than ChatGPT, but I'm guessing that there is some basing upon that language model.
1: Yeah. So so I'll tell you kind of how Conmigo works a little bit under the hood. So it is based on GPT 4. So what happens is when a student is on Khan Academy and working, say, on a math problem, they have access to Conmigo. a little, you go icon you know can pop up and then the student can talk to it and what happens is that they might type in say I'm stuck and what happens is then the what we send we take what the student sent and then we add in the problem that they're working on and then what's called a prompt. So about in our case it can be three to five hundred words that tell the model how to act. So in our case, we'll say something like, you are an uh, an empathetic Socratic tutor. You will do these things. You will not do these things. Like, you will not give the student the answer. <laughs> you will do these things. And we know from the literature on what makes a good human tutor, the kinds of things that good human tutors do. So we prompted to do those things. So all of that gets sent to GPT-4. And then and that is the input to the model and then the model sends back, okay, what do you think the first step in this problem might be or some similar response to what's going on? So we are absolutely linked to GPT-4, but that prompt that we have that tells it how to act like a tutor or the other activities that we've created based on how students learn are one way that we put a lot of guardrails in that if you just put that same problem in the chat GPT, it'll just give you the answer. Like it'll work through it and say, here's your answer. Whereas ours is going to act like a tutor and say, well, how do you get the variables on both sides of the equation or whatever that, you know, what that might be. We also have some things, for example, we store chat transcripts, which for students, if they had a good conversation yesterday, they can go back to it and review it. But they're also visible to the teacher or parent if they're under 18. And so there's another place where, if teachers or parents are concerned about what they're saying to ChatGPT, DPT, there's a, all that record there. And we have set everything that the student sends. We actually send through also a moderation API. So it goes into another AI that's checking for instances of things like violence, hate, self-harm, and sends up a flag. And for students, if something gets flagged, an email gets sent to their parent or teacher, and that's indicated in that transcript that there's a flag there. So there's some more safety in terms mm-hmm. of what the conversations are that we're doing. So, in terms of the, you know, how did that all come about? After Sally and I had seen this model, we coincidentally had a, at Compound Academy, we have a tradition of hackathons and they aren't just engineers. The whole company for a week takes on problems that, aren't part of our everyday roadmaps. So any team can work on something for a week and do something. But we pulled in about 25 people, convinced OpenAI to open our NDA to 25 people. <laughs> and so we had a mix of our content creators, our engineers, our designers, our product folks, and just spent a week like, what could this be? How does that look? And so this is still like the last week of September of uh, 2022. and s- those weeks can be pretty, like, you get a lot of stuff. There's a thousand Boy. flowers that can bloom and try a bunch of things. Uh, and then from there started, you know, okay, this will work. This doesn't work. Let's see if we can get this to work. And then we basically threw out our product roadmap for the rest of the year <laughs> and said, all right, we're going to do this and let's see what we can get down by by March.
0: Amazing. There's actually so much there we could talk about. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. I really appreciated your clear description of what it was as well, for those that are listening that haven't necessarily seen it, as well as kind of letting us see under the hood just a little bit in terms of the guardrails and the safety that's going on. So a lot there we could talk about. I'm curious to jump off of one of the things that you said. So the uh, teachers are able to see these chats going on, which is a very unique feature. I hadn't really thought about that.
2: I hadn't either. That is great. Yeah.
0: Versus a teacher maybe sending them out to ChatGPT or to another chatbot, or even some, you can make some chatbots, but without potentially the way to see what's going on. And I also saw within the um, Khan Academy, because we've been checking out KhanMigo from a teacher side as well as a student side, Mm -hmm. I really thought this class snapshot was interesting do these chats get put into that class snapshot? Because I haven't been able to use this in a real-world situation yet.
1: Yeah, so right now they we have chat summaries, which is actually a separate piece. Sometimes we're moving so quickly, sometimes I forget what's still in beta and what's actually launched. <laughs> yeah. um, but so the chat summaries uh, allow you then, instead of having to read the whole transcript, it'll provide summaries of what were the um, big questions that students were asking and what did those look like? And then the class snapshot right now is pulling on the data from students' interactions with the exercises and articles and videos and gives summaries of how much time have students spent. Our One of our big metrics is skills to proficient, which in Khan Academy, we have a mastery learning framework. So the goal isn't to get a high score it's to master skills and so in our system you go from familiar to proficient to mastered and our research shows that if you get to proficient we see that skills that students the students who get to more skills to proficient show greater growth than expected on a lot of norm reference tests hmm. and so so we want to encourage students to get to proficient encourage teachers to work to get those skills to proficient it's better in fact better to get even fewer skills to proficient than more skills just to familiar. Mm -hmm. So that we're reporting to teachers in that, in that class snapshot for how many students are getting to proficient and what that looks like. But then we also want to give teachers things like, Hey, what students might be struggling on this particular skill? What students might get a congratulations, good job, because they're moving quickly and what that looks like. So that we're pulling together that data it's still, we're still, you know, nothing's ever as good. (laughs) There's always opportunities for improvement. So when I look at it, I still think there's opportunities to even give teachers more help about, and you could do this with them and you could make suggestions for things for teachers, but at least we're summarizing the data Mm -hmm. for them. And it can, and then the teacher can have a conversation with Conmigo and ask some detailed questions about what's going on in the data.
2: And I forgot all of the hats you wear on the CLO side, but you've got everybody but engineering, I guess it sounds like. And so if Conmigo is what one might call a GPT-4 powered solution, what kind of pain points did you discover amongst teachers that Conmigo addresses that, say, core GPT does not? I mean, we've talked about some of these features, but as you, as we think about the jobs to be done that teachers are trying to do, what did you discover out there
1: Yeah. So the first thing I come from the, you know, the learning background is what are the learning problems that teachers struggle with? So if I'm in a K 12 space, I'm in high school, I've got 150 students across my five classes, you know, that I'm trying to work at. And it's really difficult to give that individual attention to students. So I was in a classroom actually here in Phoenix that was doing some testing with Convigo. And they're actually in our, Howard College Algebra works. So, we have a partnership with Howard University and National Ed Equity Lab where students work through and get mastery on a college algebra course on Khan Academy, take the Howard midterm and the Howard final, and then get three college credits from Howard for doing that work, which is a whole other podcast wow. we could talk about. That's cool. <laughs> um, but so, there's one teacher and there's all these students, and they're doing a lot of independent practice on Khan Academy. So what happens, of course, is they get stuck on a problem. And so they raise their hand and they're sitting there waiting. And uh, Ms. Alvarez is doing as much as she can going from student to student, but, you know, wants to give each student that she's with enough time. And so what happens is the students were able to ask the question to Conmigo. Wait, not getting to the, the right answer here. I don't understand this. How do I subtract, you know, two from both sides? All of those kinds of things. And so it's that piece when students are working. We go way back to you know our friends and talking about zone of proximal development, that that place where you're most learning is a place in between where you can do things independently and where you need a lot of support. You like you're really learning if you're working in a place where you just need a little bit of support to get over. Convigo can really be that individual support right at that place where students just need a little lunch to get onto where, they're, where they need to go. So that's a big use case for us in thinking about that. Mm-hmm. There's also some other things, just we know teachers are always asking about how do I motivate my students? How do I keep them going? Mm-hmm. And so there's some things like we have an activity that's called Chat with a Literary Figure. And so you can, of course, go and read a Wikipedia page about Jay Gatsby. But if you can have a conversation with Jay Gatsby That's more engaging and more interesting and keeps some of that motivation and interest Mm -hmm. there where students are. So Mm -hmm. we're trying a lot of those things like chat, do that. We have a debate activity where students can debate with Convigo on a bunch of different topics that we have set. And all of those things are things we're trying out, seeing how they work, seeing how students Mm -hmm. react to them, how teachers react to them and what that looks like. But so there's certain, there's the individual, individualized tutoring piece, and then there's the engagement piece, I think are two Mm -hmm. big Mm -hmm. problems that we think this can solve.
2: That's really fascinating. And I think they're overlooked use cases when so much right now in the spaces that I think Jason is in and I'm in and around LinkedIn and our colleagues who are doing well and at our universities trying to socialize professors. And then I teach teachers to become principals. But it's, let's get used to chat GPT and here, maybe it's a prompt workshop, or maybe it's just thinking about how you're going to reset your assessments in the wake of GPT. But it's all about core GPT use and not these powered solutions. I see some of these popping up and mostly in the P12 space for teachers can go and get like, help me write a letter of recommendation. I click a button and then it's a comigo-like and sort of, you know, I fill in some blanks and it writes that. But do you foresee these GPT-4 powered solutions evolving more oh, and core GPT use or whatever's next diminishing? What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I think that it's a lot to ask to turn every teacher into a prompt engineer. <laughs> and so yes. I think these solutions from people that can generally understand the problems of teachers and students are going to be the way that this technology can actually get into the hands more widely into the education space as a, and so the, all of these solutions that are powered by these large language models i think are going to be the way to go as opposed to raw raw gpt <laughs> right
2: right right yeah
0: i'm looking at some of the activities that you have listed under conmigo and you know I was just thinking about how helpful as you call them powered solutions John, and basically to describe for those of you that have not seen it out there, there's a menu along the left and you can chat with Conmigo in the middle Mm -hmm. as a teacher, but the menu starts with kind of my classes. And then that's where we already talked about the snapshot and summarizing chat history. And then it gets into teaching aids with a number of things about developing a lesson plan and lesson hook and learning objectives and rubrics and so on. And then a tutor me, math and science and humanities refresh practice my knowledge, which was a nice way to to put it for teachers refresh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and we also know there's teachers that are out there that are being asked to cover classes for the sub in that they haven't taught that, and who knows how long? Mm-hmm. And like, oh, I need a brush up on this, or I haven't taught this in ten years. All you know, the time. There's lots of yeah. things where you just need a quick brush up. Yeah, that yeah. hadn't yeah. struck
2: me yet. The what value this has for a sub coming in Mm, to maintain continuity with what's been going on. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's good.
0: then the rest of the activities are right. Crafting a story, debate, Mm. chat, play, and then extra things like ignite my curiosity, uh, navigate college admissions and financial aid, which I thought was great. And I mean, I mean, seriously, it's a mess. And, (laughs) any kind of help to navigate this you know my my kids are a few years out still and we're already stressing about all of this right getting all the forms right at the right time and getting through this and then academic and career growth and personalize my interests so i think this is a really fascinating menu that i'm assuming will kind of grow but probably some concern about making this menu too long as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what I actually see happening is that some of these activities will end up embedded in our courses. Mm. So if you go to a traditional Khan Academy course, there's videos, articles, and exercises. Uh, And I can imagine, so think about the particular math topic, maybe you're doing Pythagorean theorem. There could be then an activity actually in the course that's like, Talk to Pythagoras, something mm-hmm. that where they actually then they're not just hanging out by themselves, but are more embedded into the activity of the courses. And then so some of those would come off that activity, and then new ones that we're trying would come onto this activities page and uh, land there and see how they go. So that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. They're separate, but I'm mm-hmm. imagining in the future they actually become more embedded mm-hmm. into our courses themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah I love that idea. One thing that we wanted to talk about before we ran out of time was because both John and I are in the higher ed space. We're you know, at the University of Kentucky, at University of Tennessee. We're both Canvas institutions, so Instructor Canvas. This summer at InstructorCon, it was announced that there would be a partnership with Khan Academy there hasn't been a lot more details about that and even searched before this conversation to see, and there really not much else except for that press release to talk about that. It kind of sparked our interest and actually part of the reason why we're contacting you. You know, we're fans of Conmigo as well, but because this hits home in terms of our own context here, yeah. what else can you tell us about this or what are some of your hopes and dreams for this partnership? As I know, it's just kind of in development uh, stage at this point.
1: That's right. So it is early days and we are <clears throat> working with Instructure to define what that, what we're actually going to create and when. So that's are, I have two meetings this afternoon about this very well, topic. So, so I can't tell you anything concrete about what we're doing, sure. but I'm happy to say, you know, we can imagine we know that Canvas is where a lot of teachers, professors, students are. And if some of these tools can be available on Canvas, it can make things then a lot easier for people to use them. They don't have to go to 10 different places. Everything is right in one central location. What does that look like? So some of the things that are on our what-if list or could we do this list (laughs) are, one, things like including these teacher-assistant kinds of tools and what would that look like? Second is thinking about, you were talking before about what is kind of the conversation around GPT, and a lot of it we know is around cheating and plagiarism and all of that. Well, what if you could use Conmigo to help you draft and write your essay, but that all is recorded, like in the transcripts that we have, and so it's clear what the student did and what the model did and how that fits together. And we already have the rubric creation tools. Can we then help the teacher create the rubric that they want to use to score this? And maybe even suggest to teachers, hey, we think this is a three on organization and a four on tone and voice and a five here. Go ahead and, you know, review and create your own score. So we think there's a lot of potential for some kind of a writing solution to help address a lot of the concerns that we hear around using these tools to just write your essay for you. So we'll see how we'll see how that goes. And then, of course, there's a tutor. So is there, you know, a tutor me in STEM and a tutor me in humanities that could be part of Canvas? Mm-hmm. So, again, none of that is guarantee. That is not sure. an announcement, a product. That is the things that we've been thinking about. <laughs>
0: yeah, that sounds very exciting and interesting. And I would expect that Canvas was a good choice for you all, and I'm not sure who approached whom, but because they're actually pretty active in the K-12 space as well.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. They have both the K-12 and the higher ed folks that are on their platform. And so that's a a good uh, piece. I will say uh, my sister is a high school math teacher in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And when we were yeah. thinking about this, I say, hey, what What learning management system do you in She don't care about stuff. I'm like, great. we're." <laughs> <laughs> We're going to maybe uh, do something for you there. So, yeah, I think it's a good potential partnership on both sides.
2: Nice. I have a thought. I get the sense that Khan Academy and you, Kristen and, and Jason and I, we're kindred spirits, at least around this idea of where Khan comes from as being an empathetic tutor. We're on a bit of a march to try to humanize online learning. And so as you start to think about the ways in which Conmigo has been positioned as a support for teachers. And also, I'll be honest, I mean, Jason and I are not really pleased with the level and quality of the instructional design that most professors bring to their online experience. Learner input is really not a part of course design as much as we would like. I'm not saying it it doesn't exist. But as you think about our mantra of humanizing online learning, and then thinking about potentials with Canvas and Khan Academy could come in. What are your hopes for that? And how do you see your tools helping advance that?
1: It's a good question. And there's, I I have a number of thoughts. We'll see if I can get them out clearly here. So first is there's a lot of research in the ethical aspects of AI about not Anthropomorphizing it and making it clear for someone that they are talking to uh, artificial intelligence, they're not talking to a human, and being careful about that. And we've done a number of things, and our language is very careful with Codigo. It's never saying anything that make it seem too human, and it doesn't have a human name on purpose, and you know some of those pieces. So we don't want the AI to become your best friend, like that's not a healthy relationship. But what we do hope is that it can do some of the things that let the humans do the human part. And so if the classroom teacher or the professor isn't spending all the time on some of the things that Conmigo can help with, can they do more of that, help understanding the student as an individual, understanding what they need, understanding their goals and their progress towards those goals and working with the students on those kinds of things that then can help the student actually build that relationship with a person as opposed to the AI. And I mean, we know in the K-12 research world that if a student has someone that they think really cares about them in the school, their graduation rates are significantly higher, their going on to college is higher. So having being able to free the humans up to do the human things seems like a really important goal.
2: Yeah, I think I would concur. I think that's the and that's the conversation I've been having with other educators as they think about how to present even just raw chat GPT is what's the value proposition beyond just, oh my God, how do I keep them from cheating? And it's sort of that. It's how do we help advance the human intelligence side of things and free up time for that with the artificial intelligence models?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: I was at a tour of a Toyota plant in Kentucky and and they were showing us the the robots, and they were very clear about emphasizing that the the robots are here to assist humans, not to replace them. which I agreed. I mean, I, I think that they believe that, and I want to believe that. But then I also looked down the rows and I saw a lot of robots. How do we move forward? With this, to make sure uh, this idealism that uh, I believe that you believe what you're saying, but how do we move forward with this? That this idealism continues to ring true.
1: Yeah, I think we can't be idealistic to the extent we don't see the potential problems. And you can absolutely imagine a future where, hey, the AI can do this. That human stuff—it's not that important. We don't actually need that many humans to do all of this. That's on all of us together to push back on that and to say, no, the human part is the important part. Mm -hmm. And we do need that many teachers. And that means we need to support paying that many teachers and all of the things that go in that policy sphere, which is put out of my realm of expertise. But I think because what we're doing has the potential to have impact there, we would be remiss if we weren't thinking about how we need to make sure that. We are maintaining those commitments to how important all of those human things I was just talking about are, otherwise, um, they're going to get pushed to the side in favor of technology. So we all have to continue to hold hands and agree that yes, these are important things that are worth pushing for and committing to as the technology advances. Mm -hmm.
2: Because Conmigo is a GPT-4 powered solution. And if it arrives in a classroom to help a teacher in a busy situation where students have their hands up, that implies that generative AI has landed in that classroom. Have, have you or your colleagues been having conversations with schools or districts about their own guidelines for AI and whether they should use it at all?
1: Yeah, as you can imagine, lots of people want me to come talk to them. and <laughs> so. We've been having a lot of that. We also are part of a coalition called Teach AI, which is code.org, us, ISTE, and ETS. The World Economic Forum are kind of the steering committee, and we have a whole bunch of other folks on the advisory committee. And our charter is to think about how to teach about AI and teach with AI. And a lot of the first things we're doing are setting out and will be staging. Releasing some guidance for school districts on what should policy look like around this, and what are some examples that folks might use if they're looking for those, or just some guiding principles to to work with and how those fit together. So we definitely are hearing that. And then we also have the past spring we were working with uh, a couple of districts to uh, pilot Conmigo, and then continuing this fall. And so those districts that are working closely with us specifically on Conmigo are also giving us a lot of feedback on how it's working, what's working, what's not working, yes. and how what can we continue to build and change and how are they developing their policies. So that's been really informative for us to see what happens when this is tried out in classrooms.
2: Yeah, really. Nice. So what are,
0: you, what are you hearing from either classes and or administrators right now that mm-hmm. are using Conamigo because it's in pilot right now yes. and I'm assuming a full rollout will happen in the
1: next... We're kind of waiting to see how it goes. And we have okay. some things we want to see before we re- release, we say, yes, this is, you know, releasing. What The other piece, we haven't talked about this much. The other piece that is a concern and that we need to continue to work on is the cost of this. Because mm-hmm. GPT-4 actually costs. And so right now for Conmigo... We are working on this through our district programs, but it is a cost add-on to what we have, or individuals can get it for $9 a month or $99 a year. But, you know, we would like that to come way down and be Mm -hmm. able to offer this to as many people as possible, as low a cost as possible. But that involves the cost of the computing power (laughs) to come down, which everyone forecasts will happen. When GPT-4 got released, the cost of GPT-3 went way down. So we're mm-hmm. hoping to see, you know, those similar kinds of patterns, but we shall see. Sorry, that was a little tangent to the question. No, that's, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, it was good.
1: So in terms of what we are seeing now from districts, there's some things around just specific features. So. When we talked to district administrators, they said they actually wanted to also be copied in on those flags I was talking about Mm. on moderation. So they go to the teacher now, but the district said, you know what, if there's violence or hate or threats of self-harm, we actually want to get those warnings too. So things like that. Okay, let's make that happen and how those work. We heard from uh, teachers when we first released for teachers, we just had a couple of activities And it was really through talking to teachers who said, hey, could this help me unpack a standard and make learning objectives? Hey, could this help me write a rubric? I can never figure out how to differentiate level two and level three in a rubric. Could it help me with that? And said, sure, let's give it a try. So a lot of what you see now in the teacher activities Mm -hmm. are the results of some of the early feedback we were Mm -hmm. getting from teachers that then we turned into new activities that they could do, uh, which is fun. And then we look at, for the students, we are doing, we do student interviews and all that. We also look at our data and we see which activities are the most used activities, Mm -hmm. which STEM is far and away the most commonly used activity. But Craft a Story does pretty well too, which is set up so that the AI writes two sentences and the student writes two sentences and the AI writes two sentences and you write a story kind of together like that. And students seem to catch on to that one quite a bit Mm -hmm. as well.
2: I was playing with the teacher version this morning before we met, and I did notice that Conmigo asked me to put the standard in when I was going to do some outcomes work. And so I think that's a nice uh, aspect for teachers because they're so wed to that, but then how do they know they've really tied things in? And so that just handles that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is the case that if you just put in the standard code, so in, for instance, a standard State standard usually has some code that's, you know, mm-hmm. MA.3.2 for a math third grade thing. It does not do a good job of just reading those codes and does not seem to mm-hmm. have those. So we do ask that you type put in the whole standard <laughs> language. So there's some things that, uh, you know, the models still don't yeah. do well and we need to work around.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things I really like too about Conmigo versus just directly working with ChatGP is this kind of prompting you forward. And so if you started down the road, like say by creating a lesson around a particular standard, it continues to prompt you forward to help you help guide you, give you some example of some next prompts that you might do, might ask some questions about what you want to do next, or how about doing this next. And I really, I appreciated that kind of guided Inquiry that you don't get with all the other LLM models, unless you pre-prompt it to be that kind yeah. of model. So,
1: Yeah, that is definitely something we've designed into it. I refer a lot to this framework by Mickey Chi and Ruth Wiley, who were at Arizona State, not just because I'm on this and appreciate people from AFU. But they call it the ICAP framework. And basically, as students move from passive to active to constructive to interactive activities, learning increases. But it's the same for all of us as we're designing lessons or what that is. And so constructive is, you know, when you're creating something yourself. But the interactive is when you're actually working with uh, the research is on people. So it's research with another person. When you're working together and both of you are making constructive contributions to that final product, that actually leads to the better product. So it's Mm -hmm. not trying to do it itself. It's not asking the user to do it themselves. It's actually trying to collaborate. And that's what we've designed into the prompts that are those prompts behind the scenes Mm -hmm. is asking it to ask another question, to finish with a question, to lead you, the user along in whatever you're working on in the activity
0: manage a number of instructional designers at the university of tennessee and i mean i've got a great instructional designers and that is what great instructional designers do right mm-hmm. they prompt they guide they help things move along they're listening but they're also co-constructing yeah. together and that makes for a really exciting dynamic and i think that there's some space for that with a, a chat bot or with a a chat gpt kind of tool like conmigo mm-hmm.
1: yeah absolutely that is definitely what we're going for so i'm glad that came across
0: <laughs> yeah you know i've got a I've got kind of a final question here you know conmigo is super cute they're always there for you helpful supportive smart what's conmigo like in real life i mean you've got the inside scoop is this really all there is to Conmigo? Or is there like, you know, what are they like?
1: <laughs> Conmigo is whatever you make Conmigo to be. <laughs> and so
0: <laughs>
1: this is an important point. We are, are still in control of the machines.
0: <laughs>
1: so we are telling Conmigo to act that way and to interact that way. So th- it is driven by the Personality that we at Khan Academy have given to Conmigo. And that's a, it's definitely important to know that that's because of the work we have done, not anything inherent in the large language model.
0: Yes. Well, that's good. And I think it's gr- another great distinction about what makes Conmigo different than just uh, sending your students to ChatGPT, certainly on any level. And I think, certainly, I think as the student gets older, I think they're going to need to figure out ways to wield that wide open space. Right. But as they're younger, there are lots of ways in which you want to guide it a little bit more and make it a safer space. And I really appreciate, I appreciate that. I appreciate that approach.
2: Mm -hmm. I do too. I appreciate the, I've just, even in this call, I mean, I've come to appreciate more the effort going into. What do we call it, Kristen? It's a multi-layered prompting scheme that's going on in the background to bring back those responses, but it's the, the some of the best prompts I've seen in sort of raw GPT use for, say, guiding teachers interactively to set uh, clear, measurable learning intentions and then create activities to do that. They're four-page prompts. They're long and they yes. work. But they're really beyond the the realm or scope of most teachers to think, oh, I need to put in this four page prompt and then go through this process. Whereas you guys have built in the four page prompts. I don't know how long I don't know how long all that is back there, (laughs) but to bring really high quality and interchanges between learners and the and the machine, but also between teachers and learners.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, some of the prompts are pretty long and sometimes if they get too long the model stops reacting to all the parts of them. So we do have to do some things with, called prompt chaining and some fancy <laughs> new things that are were de- you know, just being developed. But yeah, all of that is the idea that the teacher doesn't have to be an expert in all of this. I do think in the future, as you were saying, that people are going to have to learn some prompt skills, but it takes a lot. It has taken us a lot of experimentation to get to where yeah. things are and that's not something your average teacher has the time to do
0: no that's no, great well Kristen thank you so much for this conversation we will in our show notes online com, we'll put in links to Khan Academy of course and con and where you can sign up and give it a whirl and yeah we just really appreciate you taking uh-huh. the time to talk with us about this this has been a great conversation
1: my pleasure thanks for all the good questions
2: yeah you're welcome. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And for all of you listening, I hope you uh, jump in with us on the conversation on LinkedIn. And we'll put that link in as well. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode and what else we should be talking about and thinking about in regards to this. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. Thanks, Kristen. Great talking to you.
2: Thanks, everybody.